Welcome to Caribbean Mystics Podcast, where we marry mysticism, superstition, and lore. I'm your host, Paulina. And I'm your host, Gabrielle. And we are your resident Caribbean mystics. Join us today as we explore the depths of real supernatural stories. Told by real people located right in our very own backyard. Hannah only knows a life where she can sense and feel entities around her. In some cases, these energies are loved ones. But in other cases, something more sinister. A dark entity becomes a common fixture in Hannah's life, and her sister Sarah bears witness to a terrifying encounter with this demon. Hi, my name is Hannah Kennedy. I was born and raised on the island of St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and I'm 30 years old. My family has had quite a history with the supernatural. My siblings and I grew up hearing stories about the Laja Bless and the Sukuyat. I was actually also born with what is known as a veil, which made me more aware of the spirit realm from a very young age. And that continues even to today. My story today details my family and I's experience with a shadow figure. But before I dive in, I want to offer one final disclaimer. My family experienced a lot of dark times as my siblings and I were growing up. Our father was very abusive and created a home environment that was full of fear and pain. I'm making this disclaimer because I do feel that these type of environments attract shadow people. Therefore, looking back, I'm not at all surprised by the presence in our home throughout my childhood. Hi, my name is Sarah Ann. Growing up with siblings that were sensitive to different types of energy sometimes meant confronting the unknown things that you couldn't see or understand at least not on its face but as I kind of got older I learned that I was just receiving information in a different way This story takes place back around 2004-2005. I'm in the eighth grade and my family had just purchased a house or just started renting rather a house in the West Carrot Bay area on St. Thomas. One Friday evening, my family was sitting down to share insights on our week over bread and juice. Um, this practice was my father's idea. It was very uh, closely in mimicking of the, the Seder meal or a Passover meal where you would sit with family and friends and break bread and talk about the week and, you know, your strengths and, and just things of that nature. Dim the lights, really set the mood, light the candles, all of that. Um, so this was a practice that we did every Friday to kind of go over the week and try to become closer as a family. And... This night in particular, I was helping my mother in the kitchen. So I guess I'll, I'll give the layout of the house because that's also essential in this story. We have our table, there's six chairs. So we sit around the table and to the right of the table is the kitchen. We had a galley kitchen. So a galley kitchen is you have the kitchen to the left and to the right, and you could walk straight through it um, to get to other parts of the house. At the end of the kitchen, to the left, was my brother's room. Directly across from the kitchen door was a bathroom, a half bath or a full bath. Can't remember, Irre- irrelevant. But um, and then to the right, da- a little bit down, a s- very short hallway was my sister and I's room. We shared a room. 
So that night, um, we set the table and everything. I was helping to bring some stuff from the kitchen over to the dining room table. And we dimmed the lights. And I sat down as my family was sitting down with me. And I remember an initial fear or feeling of dread just started to, like, take over my body. And before I could, like, have a second thought as to what this feeling was, my chair pulled out from the table, not a great distance, probably a couple inches, but noticeably so, on its own, pulled out and turned about 90 degrees to face the end of the hallway by the galley kitchen where my brother's room, the bathroom, and our room is. And I remember being just stuck. I could not move a muscle as I watched this figure walk out of my brother's room and straight across, it never acknowledged me, never looked at me, um, and walk straight across to where my sister and I's room was. And I have no awareness of, you know, how much time this was, how long this was happening, what was happening around me. It was just like a pin drop silent moment where I was focused in on this figure that obviously wanted me to see it walk towards my room. And when I was able to kind of break free from this trance, my body was just shaken and overcome with like, I remember sobbing and being inconsolable and like trying to, to explain to my parents what I just saw. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but I, at this time I'm in the eighth grade. So 12 years old, um, experience in this. And of course that night I did not want to go into our room. I wanted nothing to do with my sister and I's room because I just had this feeling that something was in that room. My father was in the middle of asking my brother some question, some about school because he, you know, we'd recap the week. It was like our version of a family meeting. Um, and Hannah's chair jumps, she just jumps out from the table. And I'm thinking to myself, like, where is Hannah going? Like, we're in the middle of this, this thing. And my family was very big on order and you know respect so like when we sit down to do stuff like this like as a child you need to ask permission if you're getting up from the table to go do something um so i was kind of confused by hannah just abruptly you know like going to get up from the table and when she didn't move we kind of focused on her because we're like what is going on and she was frozen like she couldn't she like in a daze like kind of like she wasn't speaking she was like barely breathing and then after a period of time she like broke down hysterically and we were we couldn't console her Um, so I refused to sleep in there. And so naturally my sister was like, uh-uh, I ain't sleeping in there either. So we slept either in the living room or my parents' room, a combination of the two for a couple of days. I can't remember until my parents had had enough because of course, you know, and I understand now being an adult, you want your room back, you want your space back. So my parents, my mother actually contacted the landlord now, this landlord, this woman, she was a minister. I don't remember to what it was a Christian. She was a Christian minister. And she had her come on a Saturday when it was us home. My father wasn't home. And this woman came in. And we explained what was ha what happened, what I experienced. And she went around the house. She looked in our room. And she acknowledged that there was a presence. But then she attributed it to... Well, I saw your daughter has Harry Potter books and I saw this type of music, these CDs, these video games, whatever. She began to attribute the presence to those physical things and 
honestly being more spiritually mature now, I'm going to disagree to what that was. I know in my situation, I think, as I mentioned in the beginning of this story, it all relates back to what we were experiencing at home, that these figures just attached themselves to people. So she said to get rid of all of that stuff. And of course, my mother obliged, throwed all my Harry Potter books, everything. And then the woman proceeded to do an anointing of me and a cleansing of the house. So oil anointing um, with some prayer. And then she saged the house, went through every corner, every room, banishing the presence. That night, my sister and I uh, were made to go back to the room. In our room, we have a bunk bed. My sister sleeps on the bottom, I sleep on the top. I, that night, was awoken and immediately knew there was a presence very close to me in the room and it was not a friendly presence. And I can't explain what woke me up. I don't know what time I was woken up. I have a hunch. Um, I think it was definitely 40 morning. And I remember feeling whatever it was at the foot of my bed. Mind you, I just said I'm at the top bunk. I feel it at the foot of the bed and it begins to creep up. And I try to move my body. And I remember not being able to move a muscle. And finally, I tried to scream to, to get help to wake my sister. I opened my mouth, nothing came out. So now I set it into like a panic. And I remember my grandmother telling me, whenever you are in a spiritual warfare type of situation, call on St. Michael and say the prayer to St. Michael. And so I began to say that prayer, St. Michael, the angel, defend us in battle, and went through the whole prayer as I feel this, like my body is almost being pushed into the bed. And when I got to the part in the prayer where you say, um, and cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who roam throughout the world seeking the ruin of souls. The bed shook. And it was like a, this was a metal bunk bed. So the shake like scratched the floor and my sister jumped up and she was like, what was that? And I was like gasping for air because it was almost like I couldn't breathe in that second that the bed shook. And from that point forward for a couple of years, I did not see that entity again. My mother had us in the morning when we would drive to school, she would have us say Psalms. And my Psalm was the 91st Psalm, which is the prayer of protection. So she kind of had ramped that up. And, and I was frightened, of course, as well. So, you know, I was at my best Catholic school girl behavior. Um, and it just didn't come back. So we didn't have to, well, it didn't come back then. It later came back to visit me in college. The visitation in college was only about one time where I was moving into a new dorm. I think it was my sophomore year. So 2011, 2012. And my my uh, dorm was on the fourth floor and there was no elevator. So that day I spent the day lugging all my stuff up four flights of stairs. I was in my, um, it was a shared apartment. So two bedroom and then shared common room, you know, common areas, living room, kitchen. And my room was right off the living room. I was standing in my room uh, putting stuff away and I remember seeing something walk past the corner of the it's like the door was cracked and to my knowledge I was the only person who had checked into the room so I walked out to see if it was one of my roommates you know to meet them um, and when I walked out there was nobody there but I began to feel that feeling of dread again and it was like recognizing the taste of like a childhood drink. But like, this is not a positive experience at all. It was just so pungent that I knew immediately by that point I had built up a, I went to a Catholic um, university. So I was part of 
campus ministry and I was connected with the priest. So I that day went to him and I was like, I need you to come and bless my room. And so he did. And I never, I didn't see it again. Spiritual warfare was definitely something that we talked about at home. Um, We grew up in a really religious, super Catholic family. And, you know, my grandmother from Trinidad, when we would talk to her, she really had a way of drawing into focus um, the oral history from Trinidad as well. So she would talk to us about spirits and different types of entities that were talked about in Trinidad that we really weren't exposed to in St. Thomas. Um, And we would pray together, you know, and she would talk to us about spiritual warfare situations. And something that really stuck with me was she told me that you can pray, but the words mean nothing without your intention that's where you pull your power from. That's where the power of the words come in. The words by themselves mean nothing without the intention you put behind them. And that's what you have to pull on when you have to confront these things that your human mind can't understand. Well, um, I guess today, knowing that I am um, sensitive to these energies, I definitely ground myself a lot more as far as protection prayers go. Um, I was raised very Catholic. I will say I, I could go to church now and again, but I'm more spiritual um, and when I pray, it's about protection around my family, myself. So I've never had an issue with seeing these things anymore um, or having them in my home, thank God, because Lord knows I ain't able. <laughs> um, so definitely a prayer, meditation, building up those those defenses around myself, my family, my home. Um, that's what I do now to kind of protect myself. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Caribbean Mystics Podcast. I am your co-host, Gabrielle. And Paulina, what's up? Welcome back. I was just telling Paulina before we started to record how crazy it is that we are already on episode seven. We have one more episode to go and then season two is officially done, guys. I know. It's been such a good run. Um, I wish we could <laughs> add more seasons. I mean, more episodes and like longer seasons. But remember, it's just the two of us. Well, now three of us with Sarah Ann's help. And we're independent. And we're just three girls working it by ourselves doing it. <laughs> but nonetheless, like, we appreciate everyone tuning in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I just find it to be really worthy of bringing up that, you know, we are there at the end of the road of season two. Our hope is definitely to come back, but you probably won't be seeing us for a minute Um, because we have some other things, some exciting things happening in our personal lives. Uh, So when you do get us back, we will be different people. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Different lives. You know, I was thinking about this moment. I was like, how do we tell everybody? I'm like, should we just announce it or nonchalantly be like, well, this is happening. So, I mean, I'm okay with saying what's going on in my life. I don't know. Should we just kind of like give them an update yeah. or something okay so sure. i'm currently i'm currently wait should we sa- should we do it, do it okay should we save this for last episode maybe i don't know i'm trying to think if i was a listener of a podcast sometimes i hate it when they tell me in the last episode this is gonna happen i'm like god damn. and then mentally prepare me for that <laughs> but i get it i get it 
But let's just say, let's just start by saying, like, season three might be a little bit. And we hope that you're patient with us. But um, we will come back. But, you know, me and Gabrielle have kind of come to an agreement that we, as much as we love doing the show, and we definitely do, we also love our personal lives as well. And there needs to be, like, some attention there. And we want (laughs) to respect that. Because we don't want to be run. Like, why is it the social standard to be like, produce, produce content, produce content? And I was telling her that it doesn't make it fun. So we hope that you guys can understand and respect that from our end as well. And just know that we will be back and we'll be bringing some banging stuff. And uh, I guess last episode, I'll tell you what's going on with me personally. And then if Gabrielle wants to divulge into her own, she can. But if she don't want to tell you guys, she sure. doesn't have to either. So I'm blabbing. <laughs> no, I'll I'll share that. I'll share with them a little something something about my life. Um. Okay, so moving into the story because I feel like today's story for me was probably the scariest one that we've aired so far. Um, I find this story to be particularly um terrifying because these entities, well, this particular entity. It seems like it's the same one because I know that Hannah told two different stories, um, but it feels like it's the same one. And I think what makes this particularly scary is this entity isn't attached to an object and it's not attached to a property or a home. It's a it's attached to the family. Mm-hmm. And so I say that to say that my uh, her sister, Sarah Ann, who is also in the story with her and who does our editing, um messaged me this morning and she was like i just want you to know that um we did get clarity from our mother that the appearance of this figure never stopped in our childhood like it Mm. followed us from house to house to house and evidently it followed hannah to college so i think that having that yeah i think having that information is also important for our listeners to understand the gravity of a situation like this you're not dealing with uh, traditional haunting of an inanimate object that you could leave and and you know go to location or go to work yeah exactly this is more of like, like an it, attachment it, huh yeah and so not to be mistaken for um possession i don't think there's any possession going on mm-hmm. in this story so you leave my cousin them alone because hannah <laughs> and sarah Ann are both my first cousins um but it definitely feels like there's some sort of attachment um that i think Hannah mentioned that this had she has not seen this figure. I've had to deal with this entity for a minute, and so it could be that the the attachment has definitely been broken, um, as it's been so long. You know what I forgot to ask her is if she ever went to, like a psychic medium or someone a bit more spiritually inclined to kind of define what it is exactly that may be following mm-hmm. their family around. I always, I, I feel like if I was in that situation, that'd be one of the first things I do. Be like, I need somebody, I need a reader, somebody to that really knows their stuff. Tell me what's going on in my life. But, you know, sometimes to things don't go that it. way. Yeah. As she grew up in a religious household, she was young when this happened. Mm-hmm. You know, as yeah. she got older, um, I think it started subsiding. So maybe she didn't feel the need to, like, reach out as much. I'll say that um, I know Hannah is exploring her own psychic abilities because so Hannah mentions this veil. She was born with the veil. For Mm -hmm. those of you who don't know, she's referring to something in the Caribbean called the veil of protection. It is when a child is born with the amniotic sac over their body or over their face. It's still intact. And it is said that a person who's born with this veil of protection is someone who has a lot of special psychic abilities. They're very sensitive. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's said that this is an incredibly rare phenomenon. And so if this has happened to you, know that you are somebody special. What Hannah and I have spoken about within the last year, um, because I didn't realize she was born with the veil. My brother was born with the veil as well. And it's a bit of an enigma that this would happen two times in the same bloodline. Mm -hmm. um, So close together. Um, and I remember growing up and having experiences with my brother who was very sensitive and could feel and see, 
um, entities. And I think he was a little too young to be able to uh, properly articulate what he was experiencing. And so it ended up being super traumatic for him. And by proxy, it's traumatic as the younger sibling, seeing your older sibling go into these fits of fear and, you know, crying and all of that. And so I resonated so much with Sarah Ann as it relates to this story because I know exactly what she's talking about when she says that it, you know, just kind of the confusion that comes from having siblings that are having these very visceral experiences and your family be, like talking about it or whatever and you not really knowing how to connect with your siblings to support them when they're having these encounters and after but also how do you support yourself knowing that you feel fearful that there's clearly you know like the boogeyman living in your bedroom but also not being able to feel it <coughs> not being able to see it <coughs> And so, but also knowing that it's there because you trust that your sibling is seeing and knowing what they're seeing, you know, and you could trust it based off of their reaction when it happens, when these encounters take place and you see this very intense fear coming off of your older sibling, you know, like, I just related so much to this story. This is probably one of my favorites for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, I I think it's funny how you said this one was the scariest because... I guess in my opinion, the scariest one to me was our very first episode, season one, episode one, Jumbies Come in Threes. And really? Yes. I don't know. Maybe it was the way she told it, but just, yeah. you know, she had to go pee at night. She'd been holding it in and she's walking down that creepy hallway. Very similar, though, you know, dealing with these dark shadow figure yep. Jumbies. Again, for sure, yeah, which we've talked about in several episodes on the past mm-hmm. two seasons are shadow people. And again, you know, no one knows exactly what shadow people are, but there's a lot of paranormal experts and theorists out there that indicate that they are not people or never were people or never living at all at one point. They are negative demonic entities. And I actually, you know, I just kind of wanted to go into more about shadow people because we've talked about it so much. So I was digging a little deeper. I want to talk about something we hadn't talked about. And I found um, this woman. Her name is, this is an older article, but Rosemary Ellen Gilly. She's one of the leading experts on paranormal, um, on the paranormal. And she's a paranormal researcher. I didn't even know that was a job. That's pretty much what we are. <laughs> but Listen, if anybody's hiring a paranormal researcher, you let me know because I am invested. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So she's published over 50 books on a wide range of paranormal, spiritual, and mystical topics and heads the Visionary Living Inc. I'm not sure what that is, but... Anyways, so I was reading this article about her and sh- what she thinks shadow people are, are because she wrote a book about it and she was talking about how there's um, two major avenues that involve shadow people, the dark and human and menacing humanoids. And um, she was saying how like in a lot of cases of persistent negative hauntings, they usually involve shadow people. And she kind of like puts them in the category of the djinn spelled d-j-i-n-n and for those but she also which is weird she has she puts a connection between the jinn and et abductions and really yes um which i thought was really really interesting because so for those who don't know about the jinn the jinn is what i guess america really thinks about when they think of the jinn is a genie because it kind of comes from the same word and they grant you wishes this entity but really it's an it's an arabic mythology that comes from the quran and it's they're kind of defined as like demons or spirits that walk amongst the earth but mostly looked at as like negative entities i guess what we would call in the caribbean like jumbies but Mm-hmm. Jinns are more so considered like shapeshifters, which is one of the big reasons why she wants to categorize it with the jinn, because she was saying how 
they have a natural tendency to look more like animalistic or hairy or their feet look cloven or like animal like. And so she suspects that these shadow people will hide themselves often with cloaks and hats to disguise their misshapen forms, which is a big report among shadow people like the hat man um, or they're wearing trench coats. So she thinks like that's the theory. So she was saying how the footprints of the jinn are evident throughout our mythologies about ancient aliens and gods. And I'm like, okay, she's going into aliens now. But I will say that I have really also heard a lot of stories about paranormal experiences and aliens too, like weird lights in the sky at the same time, um, UFO sightings especially around skinwalkers which are also shapeshifters so maybe she's on to something there who knows i have never um considered that possibility but i mean in an <laughs> in a land of infinity uh i feel uh-huh. like we're kind of at a place where anything is possible at this point when you said it i even when we think about otherworldly beings whether they're extraterrestrial or they are you know demons i feel like and i think this goes back to our christian origins where you think of heaven and hell you know you Mm -hmm. think that there is hair there is up and there is down and we oftentimes don't get give credence to the reality that there are diagonal dimensions you know Mm -hmm. there are dimensions literally right next to us moving in all directions Um, I think in our human mind, in order to quantify it in a way that makes perfect sense to us, we can look up and we can look down and we can just exist. And when you talk about the jinn, I almost see them as being a part of a a diagonal dimension Mm -hmm. where it's not up or down in any, you know, like real clear facet. It's just any way, you know. So that's so, funny you say that. Yeah, because yeah, that's exactly what she goes into, too. And what okay. I've kind of said in some... Yeah. And what I leave Rosemary kinda, not to hire me. <laughs> I am <laughs> Yeah, right? Because we've, we've talked about some of these theories that these spirits... I guess if you could look at it from a scientific form, they're interdimensional beings, right? They're on this plane, but not quite in this dimension. And, what, and aliens seem to have access to interdimensional travel or being able to pop in and out at will at locations you know and manipulate time space so um she actually does go into that you know they asked her what was it since apparently there are parallel universes one motivates the jinn to be among us and she says according to lore the jinn were here first and were pushed out by or for us and some of them are still angry about it and want the place back. So their motive, their motives include curiosity, infatuation, obsession, playfulness, trickiness, hostility, and malevolence. Some people feel jinn are benevolent and helpful, but if they are, it is always for a price. So many similar stories with other entities and folklore we've we've talked about, huh? Right. People have a. T- People have a tendency to think that other entities are like cut out cookies all the same. The jinn, as well as other beings, are varied. Like humans, neither are all good nor all bad and with unique personalities. I find that to be super interesting. And so, okay, let me ask a question. Do you think Mm -hmm. that what um, Hannah and Sarah Ann were experiencing were shadow figures? If you had to name the entity... (laughs) Like, let's pretend that this is the price is right, right? So name the entity. What would you think was going on in that house? Do we think it's a jinn? (sighs) Do we think it's a shadow figure? Do we think it's a Jumbi? What do we think is going on? So, like, I definitely value Rosemary's opinion and research. But, again, it is so, so, uh, it's such a topic that's so varied And my theory is always like we're talking about the same thing, but they're different species or uh, Mm -hmm. like uh, around the world in in Arabic lore and culture. They're called the jinn in the Caribbean. They're called jumbies, you know, in America. They're called shadow people. So, 
I think it is what she saw was shadow people slash Jumbi slash Jin. If that's a fair answer. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? All the all the above. <laughs> yeah, and then religion, <laughs> demons. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, I will say that I don't quite know exactly too much of um their personal lives when they were children. Uh, because while we were cousins, we you know, our our family is disjointed. And so I don't know much about their childhood. But Whenever I have people come into my job, right, and they're always like, oh, yeah, I'm experiencing this, like, malevolent entity or whatever. Um, One of my questions in the checklist or one of the ways in which I delicately bring this to the awareness is I think that just like I was saying earlier, part of the fair factor here for me is that there seems to be something attached to the family. And I do think that there is... Um, instances where the things that we do inside of a home crafts the energy of the home and Mm. so if there it's a home which she stated her home was filled with a lot of abuse um, you know it's it's storing that energy into the home you know like a a happy home will store that energy you walk into someone's home and you're like oh wow I feel comfortable and hair is not light and airy Mm -hmm. or you walk into someone's home and you're like oh no there's something dreary it's pretty the wall them pretty and the the pictures on the wall look nice but there's more hair energetically that makes you know people who come over not feel as safe as well as the people that live there but i do think that there's another alternative to it where i do think that when we set out into the world um in our regular scheduled programs um sometimes we pick up things as we go you know like we hug somebody somebody gifts gifts us something we borrow something from somebody and we tend to bring that energy back to our home space and so I say all that to say that I think that when we talk about a haunting, um, in this instance, um, the house isn't necessarily haunted. It's the space in which this energy has found um, a place to extract its energy output Mm -hmm. from. I think that it could be multiple things that played a role in this. It could be one you go out somebody borrow you something somebody give you something it happens to have some sort of energy on it um or you find a family heirloom that don't belong to you but you find it in a dot you bring it home you when you take these items when you um you know you basically offer yourself permission to take this item and so when you take the item you're taking everything that is attached to remind me to sage my house because i have some weird things happening right now (laughs) um <laughs> for sure when you take i had a dream about that too which is really weird so really? i should do that too yeah to see i've been fighting the urge <laughs> i've been fighting the urge this whole conversation to tell you like hey like when last have you saged okay <laughs> um moving on it's a sign after we know what we need to do <laughs> <laughs> So, um, anyway, I think that we take permission, possession of things, give it permission because we're taking it as our ownership. We bring it into our house and we don't quite realize that it's carrying certain energy. Mm. Now, the reason I bring this up is because when they brought the pastor, minister, priest, I'm not sure exactly the term. I don't remember the term. Yeah. Correct. I don't remember the term she used, but the landlord came in. Yeah. Minister. Perfect. Um, When the minister came in, she directly looked at items like the Harry Potter books and the CDs. Mm -hmm. And she indicated like, oh, yeah, I found your ticket. You know, like this is the problem. Hey, lo and behold, they removed those things from the household and the entity and energy continues to live amongst the family. Mm. And so I don't think that the minister was necessarily wrong in her train of thinking. But I do think that... um, it was a super easy, you know, pickings to be like, oh, Harry Potter, that's the mm. problem there. Instead of doing a more um, intensive, like, questioning of what else is here? What have you picked up from others? What have you yeah. collected? Who's gifted you something? As well as sometimes, and I think that this is hard for a lot of people, but because we don't like to take responsibility, but everything unfolds very much karmic. 
And yeah. so when you go out into the world and you do malicious things to people and you end up, you know, hurting the wrong person who's connected to magic and you don't know what kind of magic they're administering, whatever happens to you, you bring that home and you take that home to your family. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that Hannah has her veil of protection. And so her having the veil of protection made her particularly susceptible mm-hmm. to just the energy of the space. And so I'm throwing out all of these different theories here because I think that it's super easy for people to be like, oh yeah, the ghosts are just out to get me. Mm-hmm. When there could be a much larger reasoning behind what's happening. There yeah. are a lot of ab- abuse situations that don't have entities living in their home. You know? True. And so I think that it's quite possible that we are looking at a multifaceted reasoning between on, on why you know this ended up has happened this ended up happening the way that it happened um mm-hmm. and so it's complex and so i want us to just give a gentle nudge to the complexities of this particular situation i agree i think she just happened to meet a lot of the criteria to grow yeah. this kind of like I guess an analogy would be like moss. It needs the perfect environment yes. to grow, right? Like dark, it was damp. It was a fertile environment. <laughs> it was. And she just happened to meet the criteria. And I think also her being born with a veil um, just was also an extra oomph because, you know, she has these extra abilities. And as we've heard time and time again, people that are sensitive team seem to attract the um, spirits and the other world and the other veil uh, what's beyond the veil and also the veil the born with the veil is also not just a caribbean superstition it's also very widely um popular in south american countries as well i've heard it been um the same there if you're born with the veil you can see beyond the veil kind of thing so and then I'll also say, okay, this minister, <laughs> it made me so mad hearing that because I love Harry Potter. Like, and you know, it's funny when I was interviewing Hannah, she's like, yeah, I'm going to go watch some Harry Potter after this interview. I'm like, you do that. <laughs> you redeem your Harry Potterness. <laughs> and, uh, and she's so my, funny. <laughs> mind you, <laughs> this was also probably because I'm sure she's around like our age, I'm assuming. She's still like kind of like yeah. young, late 20s, maybe early 30s. Is that her age? Yeah. So I think this, she's literally just made 30. Okay. So the time when this, when she had these Harry Potter books, is most likely the time when it was the craze of Harry Potter as well. And I don't know if you guys remember, but like, or if some of our listeners are too young, but it was like all the rage around the world, as well as all of the anger with religious groups and churches. You know, they had the same feelings and sentiments like this book is witchcraft and sorcery. Their children should not be reading this. So it was a very popularized opinion to demonize this set of books, you know. And um, so, yeah, this minister most likely was also um, persuaded by pop media and, of course, you know, her belief systems. And yeah. Surprise, surprise, getting rid of all the devil paraphernalia didn't help. <laughs> and the poor family yeah. was still suffering with this. Dealing with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that it was definitely, like, easy pickings, you know, like, to try and acknowledge why certain things aren't happening the way that, you know, you would obviously want them. Um, because I think that if the minister had to do the real work of the questioning i think that she would have felt out of her depth as well yeah i was gonna say maybe she wasn't even qualified and i don't think she really was right she was just or maybe maybe she was afraid and she was just like you know what because a lot of people are not don't feel empowered to literally like champion their own space And so as the minister, like, you're expected, like, when people come to you and they're like, yeah, my home need a blessing, you're expected to go. You can't tell the people I'm afraid. So you go and you're like, okay, well, you know, let me suss out the scene. You see the Harry Potter books and you're like, okay, this is the problem here. This is going to be the easy picking so that way I can tell you that this is the problem. Move it. Bless the house. Leave. And you're fine. It also seems really old school. 
like yeah. like really like it takes more. archaic. Yeah, it yeah. seems like kind of like an old school mentality, and like the witch hunt theme kind of yeah. coming back around. Like, um, yeah, I also find it to be interesting um, when people are enacting like. Uh, these methods of Christianity oftentimes it's mixed with a whole bunch of stuff you know Mm -hmm. like the minister in this story pulls out sage sage is not Uh, a Christian you know form of banishing yeah I'm pretty sure Hannah was like yeah and she saged the house no no that's not a Christian form are you sure I think she said she anointed the house using oils I think she said she anointed and she saged okay I'm like I'm pretty sure because when I heard that I was like, that is odd. You supposed to pull out a frankincense and myrrh? What do you mean you stayed in the house? (laughs) So I found that to be interesting because I'm just like, don't quote me on it because maybe it was just an anointing. But I'm very certain that in that story she said that she had also pulled out the sage and had saged a home. Uh And I just find it to be interesting that you know you, as much as Christianity does not like to claim that there are other influences in the religion there in fact is you know there's a lot of pagan symbolism there's a lot Mm -hmm. of witchcraft symbolism witchcraft and sorcery is is in harry potter books but it's also in the bible you know so if we had (laughs) if we had to get real honest you know like there's just a lot there and so i think that we go toward the low hanging fruits um, and if you are unqualified to go to somebody's house and to give them the support that they need, don't go. Like say, mm-hmm. hey, I'm out of my depth because I've seen a lot of instances where people will go and bless a house and are, you know, not familiar, not equipped and make the situation worse. a lot worse. Yeah. Literally like the demo in Hannah bed that night, you know, like I don't know a worse situation to get into. And so when you don't come with, your backing of spiritual protection and authority you almost make the family a little bit more vulnerable to more attack because now you've riled up this energy that has already taken ownership over this space and his family it reminds me of another story of this girl that i actually interviewed um she has a podcast called The Chilling Podcast, which is super interesting. It's kind of like in documentary form, but it's about her personal experience in this little house in Kent, Ohio, when she was in college with her roommates. And it's definitely it's probably one of the most freakiest stories I have ever heard in my life. It's absolutely terrifying. So if you want to be terrified and not sleep, go listen to it. But, <laughs> you know, I'm going to save you now. Can you send that to me? Yeah, I'll put it on our show notes, too. It's it is so freaky. But Lindsay, so I was talking to her because I was interviewing her about this about this house. And and uh, I won't spoil it for y'all. But some of the things she was talking about towards the end is her boyfriend, um, dad is a Roman is a Russian Orthodox. Um, starts with a D. Deacon. Deacon. Yes, Deacon. And mm-hmm. he couldn't go in there and bless the house because that's not his, um, that's not his standing. That's not what he does. But he suggested to his son and the girlfriend and the roommates that have been suffering in this house for almost a full year. And these are daily occurrences. These people are not getting any sleep. Every night she had the same dream since the day one she moved in that house since the day she left. And the dream had progressed to greater and greater detail and it got stronger and it was also mixed with sleep paralysis and the dream is just so excruciatingly like terrifying this this show gave me nightmares like I, and I told her I'm like I don't know how you lived through that in that house but anyways so they finally received some kind of help because this was also back in the day before you know the internet was very you know successful as it is now so they couldn't like get a hold of people to come in and bless the house or or help them so the dad made some suggestions he gave them some holy water he's like mark the cross on every wall on every window on every door and say the lord's prayer um also gave them uh what did he call it an icon to put over her bedroom this would keep the entity out 
And she was saying how the icon really helped. Her room seemed to be the only room where stuff wasn't happening anymore. So the entire household would sleep in her bedroom. That's how desperate things got. But the entity would be on the outside for hours, rattling the door, banging on the door, making noises. This thing used to chase her up the stairs as well and tackle her. She physically got hurt from... it It was something really strong. And so... Once they blessed the house with all the holy water and put the crosses and everything, she said things seemed somewhat calm for a few days. And then one day out of nowhere, they're each in the house doing their own thing. And they feel what a sensation, what feels like an earthquake. The house is shaking and they all run out of the house. They're standing outside in the neighborhood. And they're looking around and wondering why they're the only ones outside. Why isn't the rest of the neighborhood outside of their houses? Okay, that's weird. Maybe there wasn't an earthquake. And when they walk back in, to their surprise, every single photo, piece of art, mirror, hanging on the wall, over 30 items, all dropped at the same time and broke. This was the entity pretty much acknowledging them fuck you, I'm still here. And you're not taking me down. And things ramped up even more. Um, She never got this solved. Eventually their lease was up and they ran out of that house. Um, The thing is, years later, she spoke to a medium and the medium was saying, like, this is something I've never seen before. It seems like something really, really old and ancient that has been here before time the way it looked the way he described it was exactly the way she saw it in her dreams because it would appear to her as a woman dressed in white like a very cliche looking like the girl from the ring with black hair covering his face a white nightgown and this is the way it appeared to everybody in the house but in her dreams its face would tear into two and reveal its true identity which was this black cracked figure with red skin on the inside and this long crazy mane of hair and the hair is almost like a it's like a tool like it would grab her with its hair it was it was so weird but You're the creeping me, me out it's creepy it is so creepy and I'm, I'm banging up Lindsay right now but it's a really good show and she goes into so much detail she interviews demonologists she interviews psychologists sleep experts because she's analyzing every part of this story that happened to her. But I guess my point is that they tried to get this help and it made things worse for them because yeah. they didn't know what they were dealing with. I actually, you triggered another um, theory that I have. While we're in the, the realm of theories, um, we've already acknowledged that the Harry Potter books, them and the CDs, uh, probably Usher <laughs> and Jada Case, wasn't it? Um, another theory could be too is you don't know who was in the apartment beforehand because they moved from apartment to apartment and so you don't know who's in this apartment before beforehand and their relationship with like other people their relationship with their neighbors and so I've seen instances where people will do spell work and they will plant a jar of you know a certain type of hexing spell or whatever bury it in the backyard of somebody else who they're trying to obviously hurt and hex and then the family gets freaked out because they have all of these occurrences happening they don't know what it is they don't realize that their neighbor has literally hexed them and buried john in the backyard they Mm. move out but the next family comes and they're now on the receiving end of whatever residual energy was left behind from the people that lived in the house beforehand Mm. and so these the there's so much complexities to you know theorizing exactly how this began i think personally if i had to give an intuitive guess i think the abuse that was happening in the household um Mm -hmm. was a supporter of something else there's more i think so there's there's a deeper origin and um i think that if if Hannah or Sarah Ann ever go to a medium and specifically focus in on trying to identify exactly what happened with this situation, I think they'll find that there's a lot more in the wash water 
than meets the eye. I don't feel like um, the abuse was the origins. I think it's definitely something within the family because it followed them. You mm-hmm. know, it didn't stay in this one place. Like Lindsay's story from the chilling. This this uh, demon. This she's very convinced it's a demon, and it, it sounds like it from the way she was describing. Yeah. Is attached to the yeah. house. Oh, and by the way, when they first move in, they found demonic writing in the basement, the symbol for this gotcha. specific. But um, yeah, this one though it seems like it is following her or the family because. I'm curious, were the rest of the family seeing this without her presence there? Is that what the mother was talking about when you gave us an update? I don't have those details. I think that... I think that it's possible. I'm not sure. I hadn't heard that anybody else in the family had seen that particular entity. But I know that they have dealt with... Yeah, I know that they've dealt with multiple entities and they have a little brother who also had his fair share of experiences um, from house to house. Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes with these energies, they're so used to not being seen that when there's someone who's super sensitive, it's almost like they create an attachment because they want to pull off of the fair. It's very hard to go to somebody like Sarah Ann who's laying in her bed and don't know the ruckus going on yeah above you know sarah ann's like um block in her ability to see Mm -hmm. these spirits or feel them in the way that hannah feels them doesn't give them the energetic surplus that they need and so you know trying to pull sarah Ann energy just couldn't happen because sis was none the wiser Mm -hmm. um which is a blessing and a curse in some instances whereas with hannah she's super uh, susceptible and um, sensitive and so they're like oh, okay like this is again we go back to this is easy pickings yeah. because sis has already seen us there's already been an acknowledgement of our presence and so they have developed an attachment to her as I got older I got more sensitive and now I understand there being this like a little bit of, of apprehension around the things that you don't understand the things you don't know yeah. Hence why I gotta go sage the house when we get off the thing because it's just like I don't know what's going on, but I know something going on. What's happening? Do I want to know what's happening? Tell me. So every, (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just based off of what we're talking about. I think Mm. that when we have these discussions, they invite in these energies because we're talking about it, we're acknowledging it. Um, And so I was hearing something talking in my headphone that was not you. You were talking in the headphone on the on the left hand ah! side. There was this like, yeah. So from there, I'm like looking in your background, and I'm like, something is wrong. Like there's something that isn't in my house. All that it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just sage. Uh, I will. You know, uh, I do. I sage maybe once a month. Maybe I should do it weekly. I noticed, though, since we've been doing these shows and I've been deep in the realm of all this mumbo jumbo, I do not watch a lot of scary movies anymore. I don't. You know, I used to love Saw, like the gory stuff, even though it's not very paranormal. Oh, that's intense. Yeah. Insidious, a really dark, demonic. I can't watch that stuff anymore. And a big part of it is since becoming a mother, too. You know, like, I just don't want to invite that into my house and with my child. Um, I agree. Ever since working in a more, like, working in a spiritual field every day, it's just, like, I don't want that to interfere with my ability to, like, Mm -hmm. assist people. Because your mind conjures things, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. you make up these realities constantly with the things that you're thinking about. And so fear tends to attract um, these entities. So it's definitely not something that I encourage either so i try not to listen to that kind of stuff or even music that's going to be yes you know the gunmanda music i can't listen to it because it's too much it infiltrates too much you know there actually used to be a demonic chord i think that's what they called it back in medieval era that was forbidden to be played and if you did play it like you would you would experience the consequences like by by people they'd punish you probably hanged you or something you know, music's very powerful. So they took it very serious. So I balance it out by watching things like Love is Blind. 
um, <laughs> really trashy reality shows or comedies. That's how I balance that out my energy. The vibration, <laughs> right? No, that helps to bring up the vibration for sure. <laughs> okay, do you have any final thoughts? Um, not much. I feel like we covered a lot in this episode, and. I guess I do want to say one thing is that we do talk a lot about religion and just kind of like the use of it to kind of help protect and ward off the evil. And that just seems to be like a theme because growing up in our island, majority of people grew up within the church and those religions. So that's what they know and that's what they went to for protection. But there are people like myself, on the other hand, who are very ignorant to that and don't know anything about the church or those or religion like that because I didn't grow up in that kind of family and also want to know like we're not trying to be preachy at all and that there are many forms to protection and I think it really does come down to what Sarah Ann was saying like you have to believe in the words that you're saying to incite this protection yeah. or your spells it's it's spell work pretty much I agree um, it's the same thing with the physical practices of like saging. You know, you have to believe in what you're doing or else it doesn't work. Um, I think my final thoughts are to piggyback off of what you said, find what works for you, find what you believe in, find what your personal truth is and go with that. And also not everything is what it seems. And so it's super easy to pick the low hanging fruit on the tree and to create these stories in our mind. Um, of it's the Harry Potter books or it's the the CDs um, and oftentimes it's never those obvious things oftentimes it there's more complexities um, and so making space for that don't just settle on the easiest thing and then keep it you know because then nothing gets solved and then you end up you know having an entity visit you in college and you know um, there's more and then finally, I wanted to thank Sarah Ann and Hannah for sharing this story. They were both very candid and they definitely observed the place of vulnerability in sharing something mm-hmm. like this. And so I wanted to offer them gratitude for thank sharing you. this with us because I feel like we learned so much. Yeah. I learned a lot from thank the story and the mm-hmm. research. This episode was also um, produced by Sarah Ann as well. All the audio effects that you hear. Our final episode, which is next week, um, will be like a Q&A and kind of just like a dialogue. So please send us in some questions or thoughts. They don't have to be questions. They could just be thoughts or comments that you want to share. I think we're going to go through our reviews as well and kind of read off some of those. If you don't want your name mentioned, you know, let us know ahead of time because we'll probably shout out to you. Um. But yeah, it's going to be just kind of like a free-for-all chatting it up. So bring it on. Come have fun with us. All right, guys. Have a most beautiful week. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Caribbean Mystics Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to share with your family and friends. Like, follow, and subscribe to keep up with all of our spooky Caribbean content. Do you have a story you'd like to share that took place in the Caribbean? Email us at CaribbeanMysticsPodcast at gmail.com. That's CaribbeanMysticsPodcast at gmail.com. Or check the show notes for more info. Caribbean Mystics is created and hosted by Paulina Creaky and Gabrielle Carrard. Theme song is Folktale Juve Rhythm by Umi Marcano. Are you in need of a graphic design company that can help your business soar to new heights? Look no further than Sparrow and the Finch Designs. Our team of skilled designers can create stunning logos, eye-catching advertisements, and visually stunning websites that will make your business stand out from the flock. Trust Sparrow and the Finch Designs to bring your vision to life. Contact us today at 512-316-8830 to get started.